All right, we locked in right now. It's the Will One Podcast. Got a special guest in the cut right here. It's my Uncle Derek right here, you know. I know we may not look like we family, but, you know, that don't mean nothing. We family, same way. You know, but, um, yeah, this is special. So special guest, you know, family in here. So, you know, Derek, like, this is what we usually do on the show. We usually start from the beginning. You okay. Know, we get... I like to know where, you know, early life, where you come from, upbringing, siblings, all that. Like, you know, let us know. Okay. Well, I uh, I was born in Niagara Falls. Okay. I didn't even know that. Yeah, Niagara Falls. So I grew up there uh, till I was 20, and my parents are immigrants. Mm -hmm. That part Uh, I knew. Pardon? That's that part I knew. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so my dad came over here in the early 50s from Scotland because Mm -hmm. as far as he was concerned, uh, Britain was kind of finished after the war. Yeah. And uh, so he didn't know where he was going to go, but it wasn't going to be Britain. So his options were United States, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa. Oh, wow. Uh, All that stuff was possible but he decided to come here first and uh um so then sent for my mom asked you know was that old-fashioned thing and sent <laughs> for my mom and so they actually came over on the boat oh wow so they yeah. it was a real like yeah they came european the immigrant immigration everybody story everybody came through montreal <laughs> oh wow yeah so uh we had no family here uh at all and so i grew up in niagara falls and then we would go if I wanted to see my grandparents or any any relatives, we'd have to go fly yeah. to go to. So, so, so I, I would, I would uh, spend summers in Scotland. So that was kind of neat. I mean, how was that like the comparison of like you know growing up here, but then spending the summers like you know back home and so. Well, you would you would. It was great. I mean, you didn't know any different except for. You know, probably develop an accent and not be aware of it. <laughs> not even notice it. You know? Yeah, and then. Um, it was it was different. It was Britain. Britain is different. They think say things differently. Uh, but anyway, it was a it was good for me to know where I came from. Yeah, and uh, and so I would develop friendships that are still going on to this day. I mean, that's like amazing, considering the fact that it's been like so long, and then the distance in between, just you know. Yeah, well, it's always interesting to get perspective from those people. Cause you go back every few years, and the music scene was a little bit different than uh, than it was in Canada, for example. Music, there either it would come out way before, mm-hmm. or uh, or it wouldn't come out at all. There would just be some <laughs> artists that never you never heard of yeah it never made it over here so that was kind of interesting so um i i spent my uh, so i i said like i i lived in niagara falls till i was 20 and my in my youth i played i played football played five years of football it wasn't particularly big but i guess i uh okay. i i i i i i liked uh I I had this uh, competitiveness in me, so I I w- would try out anyway, and I always made it. I made it for five years. Five years played f- uh, football, and also with wrestling. I did wrestling uh, in junior high and then uh, high school, and mixed that in with uh, judo. Because Niagara Falls is sometimes a bit rough. Yeah, I could imagine just because, like, I think people forget like. Another thing, kind of like what we were talking about earlier, like, you know, off camera about, like, the whole thing. When you go to places where they're known for their beauty, people forget that right outside that beauty is a lot of things going on. The underbelly, yeah. And then it's, like, especially in a place, like, with Niagara Falls, where it's, like, um, you guys are a border town. Yeah. And people forget that when with border towns comes a... A lot of other things too. That's so right. It could be a really tough place to be sometimes. Just because yeah, if of you went things. to the wrong areas, um, yeah, the wrong areas, the rougher areas, yeah, it would be a little tougher. And um, yeah, it was an. It, it's also a, as much as it's a tourist place, it's also a very industrial place because yeah. of the power. So, some of my summer jobs, I worked in a blast furnace, uh, and that was that was dangerous, dirty work. But, uh, How is that? Like, explain a blast furnace to the people who, like, 
probably would not come about. Like a steel mill. Like wow. so they when they would be blasting like these furnaces mm-hmm. would be so hot they would melt bauxite. Oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> bauxite. Uh, funny how things come back full circle. We were talking about yeah. that. <laughs> so we would get that bauxite. Maybe it came from Jamaica. I don't know. More than likely. <laughs> right. And uh, so that was one of the the most uh, financially rewarding jobs I ever got. But I got into trouble there because they would say, okay, we want all this spilled bauxite. We want you to move it. And um, I said, okay and a lot of people would have been upset by it but i i was still in the mentality of working out and mm-hmm. with weights and stuff like that and i i turned it around in my head and i go i'm getting paid to exercise so i would shovel 50 this way and then 50 this way and i would be exercising and then the guys there got really mad at me <laughs> and i didn't understand why they were mad i said yeah you come here you only have to be here for two months and you work and you're making us all look bad because you're doing, you're so productive. Mm. When you leave, we still got to be here. That means that we got to pick up our production. Yeah, because. it was, it was <laughs> such a weird situation. I um, mean, it sounds like a weird complex just because it's like, clearly they didn't want to work hard or smart. So yeah. that's, the, that's the thing. It's like, if you don't want to, you can, you have to pick one. So, you know. Sometimes people wonder about our productivity compared to other countries like Asia and that. Well, we have ourselves to blame for that because we don't want to work too hard. Some, Not everybody, but I'm just saying in some cases, and then these places are not competitive and they close. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that's a very simplistic way of looking at it. But, but anyway, it was the blast furnace. It was dangerous because they would be like, think of a big cup, a uh, couple tons, and it would have all this electrodes go in it would melt that Mm -hmm. and there would be chains and hooks that you'd have to hook onto these and i remember one time they slipped and the thing came out and if that hit me i would have been done or if any of the metal had dripped but it was a dangerous job but i was able to buy my first really good guitar after that i i I, as a present to myself so i bought a gibson les paul after that and uh yeah it was nice no, no, speaking of that, like, you know, kind of want to keep it on that level, of, mm-hmm. you know, because you're talking about you're buying your first guitar. Now that kind of goes into my question of what were some of the hobbies and things that you did growing up for fun, you know, and obviously it seems like music was, was a what Well, a little bit, yeah. I mean, we, it, in our upbringing, uh, we were all exposed to music because my mother was a classically trained singer. Oh. And so she was doing competitions during the war, going down to... When I say the war, I mean Second World War. Yeah. Uh, traveling down to London to compete, and my aunt was a music was a piano teacher, so music has been in the blood. Yeah, so we well we it was either this or that, and I was uh, drawn towards uh, the Beatles at ah. that time, so it was a guitar. <laughs> my brothers did piano, and but I never really, I never really did well in that. Because everybody be out playing, and here I am practicing scales. It wasn't fun. Mm. Whereas when fast forward, that was when I was ten years old. My parents actually bought me two guitars. So you know, an acoustic guitar, then electric one. But uh, I didn't really know how to play rock and roll, which was what what I really wanted to play. Then at uh, that time. then as when I was like sixteen, seventeen, something like that, a little older. This whole punk thing happened with the Sex Pistols, and it was <laughs> it was really accessible because you could just play really bar chords and power chords, mm-hmm. and uh, with electric guitar you could sound like something. And uh, so we played music, yeah, later on, and uh, that's where I that that part of me um, developed. But otherwise, other stuff was art. I was always good at drawing like drawing portraits or painting or sculpture. I made sculptures, small sculptures, oh. just on my own. Just because. Just and then that's that. Ev- then when I got to school, I won awards for it. Oh, wow. Like That's, then, a, that's yeah. kind of amazing because it's, like, it's kind of funny how like it seems like you come from an artist family, artist background, and it's like everyone kind of had their own niche 
yeah inside of it like you know it's funny though uh because that that's for my mother whereas my father was much more pragmatic uh and uh so he was doing blueprints and was in an engineering firm and so i remember the time when i actually won a candle cancel grant to do a video rather than congratulating me he says why don't you just come to me for the money because it's the same thing meaning his tax money goes to these uh, art things when what <laughs> is that anyway you know it's not pragmatic it's not like a bridge or a road so he didn't really anyways. see the value in art it's and kind of funny because when you look at it now like you know fast forward for you know we're gonna get into this for the rest of the people but for me that knows you it's like you're literally a combination of them both yeah true <laughs> it's, it's like you know you do artsy things and use your hands and like yeah it's very practical so it's yeah. like kind of crazy how initially your dad would say something like why don't you just come to me because like who needs this stuff when it's like in essence you do them both and it, yeah. they work for you yeah so uh, I, I like i find it crazy how that kind of happens now like in a sense like you know kind of going back to like what i was saying about like your passions and stuff like this the ones that you were had when you're younger what are some that you feel still burn just as strongly now I think just making things. I think I've always made things. Um, creating things, even creating things from nothing, uh, not even knowing what I'm going to make. Uh, well, there's always tools. My dad always built, like, built his own family room, just did that. And um, I still, I don't draw anymore. I don't paint anymore mm-hmm. i don't do sculpture anymore uh what i've done is uh the creative force for me now is gone to f- making images like with with a camera mm-hmm. and uh manipulating that or music making music and uh i don't know i find that much more immediate and accessible and uh i don't know maybe i'll go back to the other things but uh i i did that for many years I think the things that are still staying with me, it's always nice to be able to pick up a guitar because, again, that's an immediate thing. It, you play it, and it it immediately sounds. Whether mm-hmm. it's, and I still like having acoustic guitars because I don't have to plug it in. It's just there. I pick it up. I have min- I've got about 25 guitars at home. <laughs> and um, so I've got them around my place at my, where I'm, my office area is. I've got guitars there at my couch where above the TV. I've got a couple of acoustic guitars, ones in alternate tunings. And rather than changing the tuning, I have one that's standard tuning, one that's alternate tuning. Then I have a music room, which I have the same thing with electric guitars, different tunings, bass. So I can play slide guitar. I can play... I still like, as much as I've developed and gone through other types of music. Mm-hmm. Uh, it started off with rock. Then it, I, I ended up, you know, in punk, which was harder. And then I went drastically the other direction. <laughs> I played for many years in reggae bands and yeah. uh, dub music and funk and soul and art and jazz. And it, it, the beauty for me is uh, that depending on how I feel, I can choose the. The guitar, kind of, yeah. or the genre in which I want to play to, to, to fulfill what, how it f- fulfills my feelings at at that moment. I mean, that's the crazy thing about music. I feel like you know, it kind of just fits whatever we're feeling at the moment in time. And then with you, like especially with the guitar too, because the guitar is such a key instrument in like pretty much all music, to be honest. And well, again, thank God, because a lot of people are well. These days, a lot of people are producers, but what does that really mean today? Because exactly, because like it's you know most people are producers, but they only can produce with a laptop, right? Like they can't that's what I mean. actually like. And I'm I'm not I don't mean to uh, say that that's mm-hmm. not something because yeah. that's that really clearly is, mm-hmm. uh, and something that I wish I could be better at. But it there's something nice about uh, the tangible part of actually touching an instrument and making making sounds that 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 are unique like you can get all these tones that 
have been sampled uh, even for amplification. So your guitar sounds just like Jimi Hendrix and so on. Whereas I'm not really interested in sounding like Jimi Hendrix, although he's great. Mm -hmm. I'd like to, depending on how my finger touches the string on the one end plucking or with a pick or how my hand is fretting and all those little individualistic little uh, subtleties are what makes things unique and Mm -hmm. original and yours. Whereas you're pressing a button, you're using this sample. I guess one could say it depends on the context, how you're putting that on top of another track of Mm -hmm. rhythm and stuff or how you're affecting it with reverb or delays or compression and stuff. But I don't know. I like the immediacy of uh, the guitar. And I'm, I was always worried about the fact that in the future that people would be, we'd be getting too far away from that. I, I see, like, I, I do understand what you mean by that. Because, like, I do feel like it's, like, in a sense kind of getting there with, like, everything being done through, like, you know, the laptop and everything. But then at the same time, it's like you still need that authentic authenticity that you get from the actual instrument and i feel like that's when someone maybe like they just bring someone into like a studio or something and yeah like, that's what happens you know you, you gotta you gotta get this the real sound you can't just mm-hmm. get the sound that you usually trying to get from i don't know a, a program that you downloaded because it's just not hidden the same like how mm-hmm. Maybe you hear it in your head how it's supposed to be, and like I feel like and that's a sign of a true composer, real true producer. Like you know, well, a producer it is, yeah, because a producer doesn't necessarily have to be the musician. He just knows how he, he or she just knows how to go to that musician and be able to get that what it is they're looking for from them and be able to communicate that and then bring it in, and then they can do whatever they got it. To do, you don't have to be a musician to be a producer, but um, I think it helps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, because like I definitely agree with that too. Because it's just like I feel it helps a lot just because once you know how to play this, play an actual instrument too, you just know more sounds because you know how things are supposed to sound. And then with that in tune, it just helps you with anything to mash things together to make, you know? I was, in, I was having a discussion with about this, actually, with a friend of mine, and uh, he was wanting to play reggae, and every time he played it, it didn't sound right. Mm-hmm. And it's it sometimes is... Um, takes a long time for example with reggae if, if we can i know i'm going off topic a little bit but reggae like it's a certain feel people say it's so simple it's like three chords okay you play the three let me hear you play those three chords mm-hmm. and the timing is off the uh, attack is off and it doesn't sound like the authentic jamaicans did mm-hmm. if that's what you want then uh, you've got to play a long time to be able to feel that and to hear it and to get that otherwise you can call you can call it reggae, or you can it 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 doesn't have to be in a purist. It'll but it's something else, like a lot of other bands used reggae, and but it doesn't sound like reggae, mm. and which is fine. May, maybe it doesn't have to be, but however, let's just say that you wanted to um, you wanted that purist reggae sound, the skank of the guitar, then. Rather than spending 20 years learning how to do that and playing with bands, and that, just get somebody that can do it. You know what? You, you just tell them, I want you to play these chords, and here I want you to do this. But they can do that. You don't, you don't have the rest of your life to be able to get that. You, right now you want to make a song, so pull on people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get that drummer in. Get that who understands that or knows how to play the bass. Because it takes a long time to figure this stuff out, you know? I feel like that's one thing too, just an, an in general thing, like not just like when you think about it in the music sense, yeah. But in general wise, where it's like people, they forget that sometimes you just need to reach out to people that can help you get done what you need to get done instead of trying yeah. To it's like not a bad thing. It's not a weakness. It's a uh, and uh, I mean, if you're looking at the final goal and, and the final product and the the piece and and you you just don't have the abilities like when you build a house you can't do everything true, you don't know true. how to do everything 
Exactly. And if you wanted to learn how to do everything, you would never get anything done. So sometimes, in the meantime, lean on people, learn from it, and look what they're doing. And uh, you can still be learning in the meantime, but maybe you don't have five years to get that thing done, you know? So maybe you can lean on some of the friends. And then when it comes to... Um, when it comes to them doing a project, maybe they need a producer. They need somebody to be doing this or mm. that. Maybe they need a technician. They need an engineer. You help each other and you feed off of each other. Yeah, help. Especially a- like with this, in these uh, the COVID days. Yeah, that's how we were working. I was working with friends, and uh, we couldn't work. We couldn't be together. Mm-hmm. So we would set up tracks, uh. and set up a track, and then I'd say, somebody would say, "Okay, can you put down a bass track?" and Okay, and I I thought I could put something up, and I would just send these these tracks, and then I'd send them, and then they would just lock right in over the mm. internet where we didn't have to be in the same room. I could still still make the music, like yeah. still put things together. Yeah, and like again, it, it comes down to like it's t- it's the communication, the talking, and like letting people know, like you know, at the same time too, because it's like and it's hard to be honest sometimes. Sometimes you don't like what they do, but just try <laughs> to be try to be. Um, you know, you just try to be, uh, try to make good suggestions in a way in which you're not hurting somebody's feeling, but be diplomatic. But, um, but sometimes you're not doing them any favors if you're, if you're accepting stuff that isn't, isn't, isn't really good in your head. Yeah. I mean, like, that's one of the most important things is like the qualities has to be there you know, yeah. at all times. So, but, um, no, we're gonna switch gears just a tiny bit now. I went. I took it off track. I oh, went on another good. dimension. It's all right? good. We do that. We do okay. that out here. All you right. know, we keep it wheel. <laughs> but uh, anyways, I like to know just like you know, because now we got through like you know, a little bit of who you are, you know, where you come from, a little bit of your mm-hmm. passions. Now I kind of want to know a little question that I ask everybody just about their views on society is right now and like how is that affecting them personally. Hmm. That's. It's a deep question. I know it's a lot. Well, it's a broad. <laughs> it's a bit of a broad question. A society. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Well, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> That's a difficult question. Um, society right now. It's. Um, I think we've really had to readjust and recalibrate how we look at things and the whole world. In the last two years, we've been hit by so many um, different extreme things that I never, ever thought would ever happen. Mm-hmm. It's a movie. It doesn't <laughs> happen to us. It doesn't happen to us. So it's a reset, and this whole um, whole idea of globalization and how we were kind of dependent on everybody else for everything... Um, and when it wasn't there, we were screwed. You know, Pretty with much. the COVID, we we didn't have enough masks. We didn't have. We were like pleading and begging for stuff. Um, and now with this whole war going on, and to think, rightly or wrongly, how how this affects it's it's a Ukraine thing. It's a European thing. Mm-hmm. Well, it all affects us, and it's kind of sad. Also, in the fact that other parts of the world, there's wars going on, and we haven't stopped it. And people have said, you know, well, it's because it's European and it's white that all of a sudden it's important. Mm-hmm. And what about all the other people all over the world that are suffering every day? We never talk about the Palestinians suffering. We never talk about you two and in in Africa and all these different things. I guess the difference is this is. It's involving all the world powers. That's the difference. Like yeah. it or not, that's the reality. Yeah, I mean, because like you got the Russians, and then you got the you know the English, the Americans. Well, it's polarizing, right? Exactly. It's east and west. It, it's literally split down the middle like that. Because if you look like on a map where the Ukraine is, it's closer to Russia, but it's like that split of. Like, no, it is. Yeah. It is right there, and that's the problem. They don't want. Russia doesn't want the West that close. They mm-hmm. want to use Ukraine as a buffer zone or even better, that it's part of them. Yeah. 
they want to take it over again. Like there's a was. lot of different reasons why <laughs> they want it. Also because it, what is it, twenty or thirty percent of the world's uh, wheat it provides. Oh wow! Yeah, and sunflowers and all these, um, all these herbs and everything. It's a, it's what they've always called it, the breadbasket of Europe. Mm. That everybody. So it's going to affect. So society is being affected by all of this. Um, it's interesting. I, I don't know. Uh, it's, a, it's a very difficult question, that, that how I see society. I mean, it's, it's really weird because um, on the one hand, I have traveled a bit, and I've seen all these places. It was always the, another polarizing thing was either capitalism or communism yeah, socialism right yeah. versus and it's interesting because i've seen these places where it's supposed to be communist and stuff but there's always these really super elite rich people <laughs> that are there and <laughs> somehow in a country where but all these know. other people have to toe the line and do the this for the brotherhood and the sisterhood but yet they're making they seem to be suffering <laughs> there's all these people that are suffering so i don't really know like all the oligarchs in, uh, again, to bring up Russia, you know, it's supposed to be a socialist country and everything, but it's sort of changed and it became much freer. And then all of a sudden they put a clamp down. But there's still all these people that took advantage of that situation mm-hmm. in uh, there that make it just scandalous. Even uh, in terms of society, I think it is kind of scandalous the way we don't take care of people. Mm-hmm. And even here in Canada, I think. As much as I think you you work really hard, you should be rewarded. And yeah. if you sit at home and you're able-bodied because you want to sit at home, then don't expect to be taking it from some other people that are working hard. For sure, for sure. Cool. But on the other hand, some people are just not given the not given an equal standing in the first place, or not given um, some equal starting points, and they're disadvantaged. Right from the get-go. So how do you expect them to be um, productive people if they've never been exposed to anything else or or been exposed to reading properly or have the ability to be, be able to afford to go to any kind of uh, sports facility uh, and stuff? Or ha- And I think, to me, I'm really... I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm disappointed that we don't do more of that we'd rather spend more money on jails uh, <laughs> after the tree has already grown this way mm-hmm. try, try to, to get it, it back yeah. you don't we don't grow a tree and then start to grow it back you you plant the tree and you put something strong beside it and it guides and it goes strong as it grows maybe at some point you get rid of that stake and that wire that's keeping it straight from all the things that it's growing up against, wind and everything, when it's weak. Well, we don't do that with people. No. We, we get them and we go, no, 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 they're not. They're breaking the rules and pff, just throw them away. And what happens in jail? Yeah, they learn in there, all right. It's, it's crazy because, like, when, when you say all this, like, I really think back on it. I think about, like, number one in jail, like, I thought, like, my thing is, like, people become, like, the best of engineers when they go to jail because you'd be surprised how much they take they make something out of nothing and then yeah. when you look at that you're just like hmm if they could do that in there what if they were given this opportunity outside the exact given the exact same like not the exact same tools but like you know better tools if you really think about it mm-hmm. they would be just as just as ah, successful but instead like they don't know nothing and then they're well, also, if you're around negativity all the time, then you're going to have a, a you're going to have that kind of point of view once you get out, and Very true. Very it's true. always the people, it's a system, and it's always this, and you're always have this negative outlook and not positive, and they've never been shown anything positive. Then how do you? It's very difficult to all of a sudden uh, just find that positivity, right? Like where do you find that? Yeah. And so um, I wish. I wish our society, and I'm just talking about where I live in Toronto area, I wish we had more rec centers and we made them more accessible to uh, to young people. Yeah, see, like and that's... Even, and even older people, rather than uh, 
putting them on drug programs to make people <laughs> healthier. How about being healthier, having a healthier lo- lifestyle? How about exercising and being told that's a good thing? And you get if you get taught again at an early age, then maybe it'll be throughout your life. It's you like don't all of a sudden decide to be healthy when you retire. It's too late. In order to be a healthy human being and, and be around your family, your grandchildren, and so on, well, you've got to make an investment, and you've got to um, you've got to put your time in. It's, there's no magic pill for it. I, I I love that you said that because, like, you know, part of the reasons of like everything that I want to do in life is to like be able to like you know because you've been to my neighborhood and you know how it is. There's not a community center in in a in a, in a like a cul-de-sac that probably houses like ten thousand people. It's crazy. And so it's like, and then for me, what I realized growing up there was that. Once I hit 12 years old, there wasn't programs for me to do. Early, uh, <laughs> well, the thing is that there are programs sometimes, but sometimes people don't have the money. Like, for example, hockey. Hockey mm. is an it's exorbitant amount of money. Sport. It means that you've got to have a parent that can take you to those practices, can wait, and then pick you up and take you home. It's it's really expensive. New, Even if new you, equipment every year. What, yeah, right. And um, but basic things, just to play ball and stuff. You want to be able to go do that in a safe environment, mm-hmm. and that's it's shocking, you know that that that's what that happens. Uh, but even and but even I found other places where there are high density mm-hmm. populations, and these centers have been built. Unfortunately, there isn't a culture of being able to use them. So you get a lot of people that are in offices mm. that are going to use the facilities and not not the people who actually probably in the area. Them. And it's because they haven't. They've, nobody in their family has ever never really, um, like, done that or, yeah, or made that made those steps to like even get get, get into. Well, it. Yeah, for example, swimming. Mm-hmm. You will see a lot of. There's not a lot of swimmers that are of color you know a lot of black mm-hmm. swimmer is that because black people can't swim no <laughs> no it's there's because much stereotypes would, would say all these stereotypes it's because they've never been there's there's a historical reason for it as well but historically there's those reasons but now we don't we gotta somehow mend that gap mm-hmm. and actually when you do see competitive swimmers and they are black. Holy, look out! Because <laughs> I, I did do. I brought my daughter to a competitive swimming, mm-hmm. and um, I was, um, I was amazed. It was like there wasn't a lot of black swimmers, but the ones that came out, they were always in the top three. It's the athletic gene, you know. Yeah. Well, that that could very very well be. So. Um, Anyway, uh, I guess in terms of our society, uh, my society in general, we were mm-hmm. talking about, but these are my pet peeves that I wish that um, if we did stuff like that, I think we'd have a better uh, society. I, I definitely um, agree. Because they feel better about themselves, they're healthier. Um, and the, in sport, you learn how to um, be responsible mm-hmm. and. Uh, held accountable too yeah you you have your teammates Mm -hmm. you have and uh you have to learn to be on time you have to learn how to what you have to do to you have to bring it all the time and uh these all all of these skills are transferable into the workplace and into society at large yeah easily like i for me personally more times when I think about like situations in life, I relate it back to basketball just because I know I can. It's very, it's, it's, it's a very easy like comparison to me, to be sure. honest. Cause it's like, you know, you think of it, anything from team aspect to like our right, individually, how do I get better at like the skills I'm trying to get better at? Like little things like that, where it's just like, I just knew, okay, everything I could kind of relate back to basketball and it just helped. Break it down, make it a lot easier. It's, for me. And also, it's not just you out there, right? Yeah, exactly. That was the one thing that I learned too. That like, you know, as much as you feel you want to perform and you want to do the best and put on the best, like you know, game that you have, you remember sometimes you got teammates. 
Yeah, and they push you. Exactly. They push you along, and they pull you along, and you do the same to them when they're not having a good day. And it's a, it's again, it's about being around positive. Mm-hmm. I mean, positivity always has to be key, especially in these right. things. Well, um, you know, mental health is a big thing on the show here, and okay. you know, so one thing I'll, we we love to talk about with people is, I love to hear about a story or a, a situation in your life where you were first like really had to like face your own mental health and like be like okay wow i'm going through a situation right now wow um well i think when i first told my parents that i was having a child out of wedlock <laughs> so to, coming from a british middle class I and get... then then not only that oh, yeah. but she already had children that she was black <laughs> and from another culture it was like they were i thought i was doing the right thing being responsible mm-hmm. being a res- and uh, that i was going to be around to raise my daughter maybe i didn't choose to be marry the mother and have a child but that's what was happening and yeah. i had to do the right thing and be responsible mm-hmm. but I, that's not the that's not what happened <laughs> so i had to basically make a choice I don't. I don't say this with a lot of pride, mm-hmm. but I had to make a choice between my parents and this child. Mm. I won't get into details, but um, but essentially that's where it kind of felt, and um, I wasn't going to. Um, I wasn't going to not be around for my my daughter. I just couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. I just thought. It's not fair to that child. That child never asked to be here, and so I, I felt it was a responsibility uh, to to uh, be a father, no matter how hard it was. And it was very difficult with her mother. Even the mother that was then I couldn't even see my daughter. She wouldn't let me. It was it was a difficult. That was a really difficult time. Mm-hmm. But the uh, so I didn't really have my family to understand, except for one aunt in Scotland that did. But. Um, Essentially, it was I had no real support uh, except for my friends. Mm-hmm. And then, because my daughter was, her mother was Jamaican, I ended up where she would be living up at places like Falstaff. Yeah. I ended up, um, and I'd already been to Jamaica by that time. I'd spent a month in, uh, in Kingston, three weeks of it in a ghetto. Um, I became to understand Jamaican culture and I saw a lot of beauty in it. Mm-hmm. And I got a lot of friends that are Jamaican still to this day. Right. So <laughs> that's um, how that's how we family. <laughs> yeah. So and to me, um it ended up being a gift in a sense, because it opened up this whole other sense of possibilities of the world and other flavors. Um in every, when I say flavors, I mean flavors in every sense of the word. I mean musical flavors, taste flavors, uh, sense of humor, uh, uh, musical, everything. Because I, I was open to the idea of accepting other people's uh, way of looking at things and sensibilities. And so I feel, um, because I took my stand... I uh, ended up benefiting. I think I think that I grew as a person, and I have a different understanding of the world because now I understand that culture. I can kind of parlay that to other cultures and be accepting, and that's why it's. Um, it would be very. It's very. It would be kind of difficult for me to live in another place other than Toronto because in Toronto we have. Although sometimes we do have areas that are more culturally this way or that way i wouldn't call it i wouldn't call it a ghettoized mm-hmm. like in the sense that like it's just like and you go to the united states everything is it's it's Sounds all like separate it's, it's whether it's class or even like you would i remember going to chicago one time and there was a buppy area not a yuppie area a buppy area buppy. so it was <laughs> black upward mobility people <laughs> so they were buppies, not yuppies, and uh, so they had the same house. They had the cars, maybe a little more bling on the tires, but you know, but essentially lovely homes and everything. But it was all black. There was no mm-hmm. black and white. Na- like there's no mixture at no all. No mix up. 
and uh, I kind of like the mix-up because everybody ends up being equal that way. Or you get one big tribe, you know. I mean, yeah, that, that that's great because, like, I feel, especially with, like, growing up here, like, you know, in the city and everything, that, like, one of the big things I noticed was that as a kid, it wasn't weird to me to be, like, see everyone kind of mixing it into different cultures. Like, it was just normal, like, you know. Of okay. course. And, like, yeah. I love that, and I couldn't imagine, like, have, since with having that my whole life, that growing up where it's just like, okay, these people stick with these people. And it's yeah. Just, it, it just it sounds weird to me. Well, it is weird. And even even when there isn't color or culture, we end up doing that anyway. Mm. Mankind seems to always divide and conquer so if that's if we're all the same color figure out something else okay <laughs> we'll figure out something how to, about to, religion yeah you know we'll, we'll we'll all be no no you can be christian but okay no you will be catholic and you will be protestant you so we'll split it up another way you know and there's I remember, always something i remember growing up and i thought it was kind of weird that, that i grew up in niagara falls it was mostly white and uh, but there would be kids that would move in, but they wouldn't be going to my school, and they never understood it because they had to go to a Catholic school. Uh, yeah. And uh, we were at, we were I went to a public school, which was everything. Yeah. It wasn't you could be Catholic, you could be Protestant, you could. So I was I didn't like that. I'm I'm not putting I'm not a hater. I don't hate Catholics or anything like that. <laughs> I just thought it sort of started that division i mean i know what you mean because like as a kid like i went to the public schools too so it's like you'd always see the kids in the catholic school getting picked up in the school buses and stuff like that and it was just like i don't know i guess i, I guess as a kid i kind of always wanted to go just to see what was the difference because it felt like why are you guys have your own like school for this like yeah. set like your religion well i went to school with kids who are like muslim hindu like, but that's a society we live in exactly so it, that's what made so me why feel normal when i was like yeah it, it just out and about because it's like yeah i've like seen all these type of people my whole life it wasn't awkward for me to see saw like a man walking around in a turban because i've seen yeah. that when i was a kid like you know it's like these little things it's ironic, though, uh, not that there's a right or wrong about it, but I know that, like, even in Brampton, though, uh, in terms of diversity, ethnic diversity, mm -hmm. the more there's more ethnic diversity in Catholic schools now than there is in public schools, because <laughs> all the public schools, it's all yeah. Southeast Asian. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty so, much. whereas, whereas uh, Catholic school, it's South it's Southeast Asian. There, everybody, everybody, everybody's in which there. Which is weird. It's <laughs> kind of a flip. It's like everyone's kind going to the Catholic schools now. Like yeah. they're like, all right, we'll just take religion. We're not really paying attention. Yeah. But um, anyways, so, you know, we kind of did talk about like how like you know you going through that situation helped like helped your it kind of like you had a funk in your mental health, but then it kind of picked it right. Yeah, back and up. again, I would I had friends and also just playing music. I think uh, music has always been a therapy uh, for me. Music's my therapy and I uh, end up uh, then I also I took up swimming at the same time. I uh, I picked up bad habits like smoking cigarettes. It would be something I did occasionally going to a bar, but then I ended up with women that smoked. So I ended up smoking and then but then I, uh, I quit all of that, and I said, that's not me. And then I, I took up swimming, and you, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do the swimming. And I can imagine after all the smoking. <laughs> yeah, and so I couldn't do that. So I, had, I stopped that, and it was a good reason not to smoke. And uh, so I took up swimming, and I think that that's a good thing to do as well, physically, uh, to do something physically. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, even though even though I'm not on a team because of my work, I can't always oh yeah, manage sure. to go to rehearsals uh, like a practice. Even it's hard to be in a band these days with because uh, I work in production. But yeah. uh, but swimming, swimming, I can go whenever, wherever. It's kind of like, and then uh, yeah. So that and music, music it was uh, also good uh, therapy for me because I I make I. To me, to make me, I don't have to go and play and learn a Bob Marley song to feel fulfilled. Mm -hmm. If I'm doing that with other people and we're going to entertain people, 
I can do that, but that's not why I, I do music. Mm-hmm. I do music for me, which is just playing the guitar and hearing the sounds and, and experimenting and coming up and writing stuff. I, think, I feel a little more fulfilled that way. I think, like, I love that, like, you know, how you found the things that you can help cope through, like, any type of, like, downtime. Because I feel like a lot of people, they don't have that. Like, yeah, you know? I felt very fortunate, uh, especially with COVID, that uh, people were like, what do I do? What do I do? I have no idea, you know, what to do. And I think, oh, my God, it's not enough hours. <laughs> I can look at all the pictures that I've taken um, and and do something with them. I could edit them. I could play music. I can record music. And when you're playing stuff with today, technology, you don't even have to have, if you worry about people next door, you don't. You can be plugged in and have headphones. Mm-hmm. With a microphone, you can be miking stuff or get an electric guitar plugged directly in and be doing stuff. So anyway, there was so much stuff I could do. I just, I feel really fortunate. Um, I, I also feel fortunate uh, where I lived, I live in a in an old warehouse, an old factory, and I had <laughs> I didn't have to like I I I didn't have to live in sorry, but I didn't have to live in a, in an apartment. I can't, I can't imagine how that was going and waiting, and you can't you know do I be worried about getting into a um, elevator, too many people, and mask on, mask oh, off, yeah. and all that stuff. So I felt. I felt really fortunate. I felt like even though for other people's standards, they go, that's horrible what you're living in. It's a garret. You're living a bohemian. A I, I love it. I make up my, nobody ever lived in my place before. I created it. It was like my own space. <laughs> anyway. It, like I said, it's, it's like the, the famous dungeon for me, you know, as a kid, when I was ever been to your house, it was like, all right, you know, we might go, we're going to Caravana, you know, so it's like around that downtown. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, oh, we, we might just stop off at Derek's house for yeah. a second. And then you go in there and you're like, wow, he's got a lot of stuff in here. I don't want to know him when he's got to move. <laughs> That's what we got to feel like. I don't want to like, know wow. me when I've got to move. Oh my God. It's going to be a big, huge trash place, which is really difficult if you're a props guy because you keep everything because you might need it. That's the thing, like you know. It's, as soon as you tap, you you trash it, and you need it the next day. It's some, a part of your job, so it's like you have to kind of keep some of this stuff. Pack rat. It's just like guilty. Know, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. You know, you, you you get rid of some of it. You know, you're not like A and E style yet, so you know it's not full on. It's not. No, it's not I can hard. walk. I can <laughs> walk through my place. Yeah, I've been watching too much hoarders lately, so you know. That yeah, was, that was just kind of cute. Yeah, me. that was a uh, that was good for some people to see, including myself. Yeah, am I? <laughs> is that me? <laughs> yeah sometimes we need all the wake-up calls we can get yeah so, you know um all right we kind of talked about like you know how you use some of this pain to like help motivate you and help grow help you grow you know and i kind of wanted you to talk more about like how you kind of turn the negative and use it to turn it into a positive oh hmm I, I, I don't really know how to answer that question. You mean, I can think of little snippets of things, but in rather than in, in a general way of uh, having any kind of ad, adversity. Uh, let me see. Okay. Okay, I'll go back to my daughter. One, one thing was that um, I ended up um, taking my daughter when she was 11 to live with me on my own. Mm-hmm. I didn't take her. I, her mother said, please. And so I had my daughter at 11 years old while I was working. So how do you, how do you navigate that when you're working full-time, yeah. working? You work a lot of hours. With yeah, working, work, yeah. yeah, working in, I work in film yeah. business. So we were working, 12, I was working days, easy. minimum 12 hours, sometimes 17 hours a day. Easy. <laughs> so what, 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 did, what do I do? Uh, well, I stopped working. Oh, and um, I went on unemployment. I didn't want to, but I I didn't know how else. How can I? I, have to, I had to take care of my daughter. She was too young to be on her own. So I went on unemployment, and I, they they wanted me. You know, they, back then they wanted you know you could, well you get another job, get another job. You and I know this is, this you know hap- this is your this career. Is, <laughs> this is cyclical. It'll there'll be months off. And then uh, can go back, but this was going to be a little longer. I, but I just told them I, uh, 
couldn't, there was nothing happening. But rather than sitting at home, I did go back to school, but I got something that was sort of related um, to my life, uh, which was I, I didn't know how to type, far less how to use a computer. Oh. So I ended up going to school and learning how to use, uh, it was for digital multimedia. Okay, okay. And since I have a, I've got a fine art background, I've got a fine art degree. So I've, I wanted to somehow translate that into the digital age. And I thought this would be a good way to retool me, at least know how to use a computer. Exactly. The, I mean, the internet, everything to everything uh, to do breakdown. Uh, any anyway, at any rate, this I ended up going to school, which was a good thing, turning it around mm-hmm. rather than sitting at home. Went to school, and then my daughter at the time I taught her how to swim because she would have nightmares about drowning, and I taught her to swim. So even before. She came to live with me every other... I would get her every other weekend. I'd take her Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday. And she could swim excellent underwater. Oh, wow. That's amazing. But she couldn't swim on top of the water. <laughs> but and, <laughs> she, she was a sinker. <laughs> and uh, so ended up one day, she just flew across the pool. And then everybody who had never spoken to me before would always see this white guy and this black little girl going in. <laughs> Did you see that? She went right across it. Everybody was rooting for her, and I didn't know. And uh, ended up, uh, she she not only could swim, she could swim very well. And then I, her mother lightened up and let me go bring her into the pool system on her time. I got her, and she has another sister, not my daughter. I would bring them to swimming. And they learned how to swim, and then eventually they said, we want to put her on a swim team. Mm. And at the same time, I stopped, I stopped working. And while I was bringing her to the swim team and I had taken up swimming, they, the coaches knew that I swam. And they said, you know what, you, you swim. I go, yeah. I said, well, we just need an anchor. We need one more person for the relay team. You don't have to do anything else. Just we need so-and-so's mother is, used to be a, a uh, lifeguard and we've got another uh, Iron Man guy that's in it. We just need you to do this. So I said, I accepted. And then it ended up, they kind of lied. I had to do everything. I had to relearn how to swim. <laughs> okay. And it was hard. And I was had to learn how to do bilateral breathing rather than just breathing one side. I learned how to do flip turn. I learned how to do the butterfly. I learned everything. And then I competed. And I was like 38 at the time, something like that, or 36, 35. Never competed in my life. So um, by taking care of my daughter, I didn't know how I was going to do it. I was not getting any special subsidies for her. I just used my unemployment. I would make sandwiches in the morning for her and I. I would ride my bicycle, park my car, ride my bicycle to school, ride back, come back, get her and then we'd both go to swim team together we were on a swim team together we'd have matching <laughs> matching outfits <laughs> outfits uh swim suits and uh, uh we became very tight and so since my daughter had been around me uh since infancy as i've always had a drum kit keyboards pa system guitars so um she picked all that up and we were very tight we usually speak once a day and if not every other day and I see her quite regularly we ended up performing together and I ended up going to Panama and playing in a blues and jazz festival in Panama but we we played a couple weeks ago here in Toronto um, and uh, so she's a singer that's what she does it was very difficult through COVID uh, but she was doing pod stuff what you're yeah. doing and educating children on uh, using the uh, technology and that was really good but now she's getting back into uh, singing and she's a hired gun <laughs> so she gets hired out she'll do whatever because she she also uh, uh, when I was in some of the bands that I was in uh, they were reggae bands they'd be different people and uh, one guy happened to be uh, 
a keyboard player that was playing in a gospel church and so I got her in a gospel choir she's, and she's so ready. that that kind of that was a different kind of school for her yeah I can imagine yeah so <laughs> it's not only was she hearing uh, the singers that came into my my studio which were mostly Jamaican or Trinidadian it was West Indian but mm-hmm. you uh, reggae now she was getting exposed to church uh, music as well and I think that was really good for her but anyway um your question was, how did I turn around that situation? I didn't know how I was going to manage, but it ended up, it was the best thing I could have ever done. That's what it seems like. like it as was we like and something would ne- I wouldn't have done it otherwise, and it, it ended up being a really wonderful thing. It introduced really a couple of things thing. to you. Um, um, and I got to, I got to be, uh, got to know my daughter knows me, and I think that sometimes some fathers... Even both parents don't even get to know their children any, because they're so busy uh, chasing the dollar to, to give them a better life. But what is that? What is that better life? When, they're, when you're not around, when you're not around to um, be watching them and enjoying them and feeding off of them uh, and them feeding off of you, if you, you can't, because we're so busy. Our society is so busy about making money so we can have material things, getting the newest car, the newest this, the biggest that, and better than that, and blah, blah, blah. Is that really important? And I think, uh, so I think I was very fortunate. I never planned on being a dad, ended up being a dad, never planned on being a grandfather. My daughter has given me two wonderful grandsons, and uh, again, that's feeding, that's Compared to how much I put out and what I get back from that, the joy, uh, it's so beautiful. So uh, it's a great. It was a great investment, and the returns surpass the investment. No, oh, that's that's beautiful to hear. That's beautiful mm-hmm. to hear. I love hearing that. So you know, um, finally, you know, last question here before we wrap up is, uh, what's the future hold for you? That's a really good question. I'm. I just turned sixty-four. Uh, Less than a week ago, so you know we got the same birthday, by the way. What? <laughs> yeah, the seventeenth. That's how I, I knew did. that, but I forgot. It's I'm okay. so sorry. It's okay. I forgot the other oh day too. My That's why God. I said I should have messaged you okay, on Sunday. Okay, now I <laughs> things are making a lot more sense. It's okay. It's okay. You poor guy. You're an Aries. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I'm sorry. It's all right. All right. <laughs> anyway, um, sixty-four. So it's like I. Uh, I could really retire. I could retire uh, mm-hmm. in another year. And uh, again, like what we were saying, I could really uh, find, I don't have a problem finding things to do. I'm also, I'm also a uh, scuba instructor. So I could, yeah. I could do that if I wanted, but I, right now I'm not instructing. I'm just, uh, I keep, uh, keep it up cause you never know. Um, but I uh, do dive. Okay. Uh, okay. And sometimes this year it was a bit slack, but I generally dive all year round, like even in January, December, November. Mm. I dive in Lake Ontario. I dove last Sunday it's, it's on cold. my birthday. It's cold out. Oh. Yeah, again, the technology. It is a bit cold. You're, then you, get, you go numb, so you don't feel it. <laughs> uh, I mean my face. <laughs> but the rest of the stuff, I wear a dry suit, and uh, the dry suit keeps you pretty warm. Your fingertips sometimes get a little cold, but... And initially, your face isn't covered, but it it kind of you know sort of like a ice cream, you know you get that. No, oh, it's like a brain freeze, and then after that, a bit like that. And sometimes it can be cold when you're getting out, but it is it, it is a natural high. It is like you're zoned out. You're in there. It's completely tranquil and quiet, and you're floating. Hmm. You're in space. Once you figure out how to get your equilibrium, you just, I stop, I'm there. I'm just there and I'm just in the water. And, uh, uh, but I go away. I'm lucky uh, in my frugal ways to save. I go away. Usually I've been go away twice. Mm -hmm. A good diving destination, more expensive. Like I was in Puerto Rico in December and lived on a, a boat for a week, like a sailboat, and we would dive three and four times a day and wow. live on this boat. 
around Puerto Rico. Uh, so I didn't see anybody f for a week. <laughs> or, or then we go to Cuba. Oh, oh, damn. Camera shut off. Okay. I didn't even realize. I talked too All much. All right, it's okay. You know, we'll, 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 we'll just have to wrap it up, though. But so. You got enough. You got yeah. We got we we got, we got some good we got some good content in here. So you know, it's, I hope it, so. Yeah. I don't. It's the Will One Podcast. You know, it's your boy Master Twice. We just gonna sign off for now. You know, okay. thank you guys for tuning in. You know, we'll see you next time. <laughs>